Today we start our new series on relationships and uh, one of the most um, important relationships in my life is the relationship I have with my dad. He's a great dad and a great grandfather and great grandfather and he happens to turn 80 tomorrow. So happy birthday dad. Sorry the Dockers couldn't win for you. Oh dear, okay, we shouldn't have mentioned that. (laughs) Uh, Let's pray before we get into it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here and that you are able to take your word this morning and penetrate the hearts of every person here. Thank you, Jesus, that you meet people exactly where they're at this morning. That you are such a personal God and you're able to speak to us personally and that's what we ask for this morning. May we go out of this place changed, transformed in Jesus' mighty name. And they all said, Amen. Amen. You know, when Jesus was asked to name the greatest law of the 613 laws that there are in the Old Testament... This is what he summarised them with two simple commands. Love God and love others. You see, to God, relationship is of utmost importance and value. It's the whole reason why he created us, so that he could have relationship with us and so that we could have relationship with him. When you think about it, some of the most important things that God has created in this world are for relationship, family, church, cities, communities, nations, They might not all work perfectly, but they're better together. And the very core of our being is love because we're created in the image of a loving God. And the outcome of love is godly, lasting, healthy relationships. So that's what we're going to be talking about over this series for the next few weeks. And I want to begin by reading from John chapter 15, verse 1 to 4. It's Jesus speaking and he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. If you're anything like me, when you want to improve something in your life or get better at something, I automatically think of the things that I need to start. I need to add this to my life. I need to action this plan in my life in order to get better. You just think of New Year's resolutions. They're almost always made up of lists, aren't they, of things that we need to begin, things that we need to start to make us better. I want to suggest this morning that along with that list of things that we need to add, should also be a list of things that we need to stop, that we need to quit, that we need to break up from because it's not just about what you decide to start in life. It's also about what you decide to stop. In order for something new to start, often something has to end. For example, you might have begun this year like hundreds of thousands of other Australians and said, I want to get fitter and healthier. Anyone brave enough to say they had that New Year's resolution? I know I did. And so what do we do? We start an exercise regime. We join a gym. 
Jamie's gym, of course. Um, or we start Pilates like I did, can't you tell? You know, they say you know, Pilates, you know, do that from your core. And I say, I don't even have a core, so it's not, it's not a good start. But, but that's what we do, don't we? We have a list of things we're going to start. And what we often fail to do is stop things in our life, like frequenting fast food outlets, stop eating junk food, or in my case, stop eating lollies and chocolate. And so the things that we fail to stop kind of sabotage the things that we started and we never reached that goal that we set out to. The writer of Ecclesiastes expresses it this way. Chapter 3, verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then we go down to verse 6, same chapter, and it says, A right time to search and another to count your losses. A right time to hold on and another to to let go. See, the writer's trying to show us that our life is made up of seasons. And in every season, there's a start and a finish, isn't there? There's a beginning and an end. And sometimes we're holding on to something from a past season that is already finished, that is a bit broken, and it stops us from actually moving into the next season that God has for us. And this same principle is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 15 that we read first up this morning. Because Jesus likens our lives to a garden, and a garden needs pruning in the right season. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Anyone that does not bear fruit, I cut off, and any branch that does bear fruit, I prune. Someone was listening. (laughs) In our previous home, we had this um, beautiful rose garden. I know it's a miracle, it actually survived and it was flourishing. And one of my favourite things to do was to sit in the lounge and and overlook that that rose garden and read. One day I was doing just that, reading, and I looked up to see a massacre happening. There were leaves and branches flying everywhere, rosebuds going up in the air, and right in the middle of that garden was Aaron with his giant secateurs. And I quite politely yelled, stop! You see, I obviously hadn't taken Gardening 101 because to me, he looked like Butcher of the Bushes. But really what he was doing was an act of kindness. It was actually doing something that he knew would produce more fruit in those bushes. See, a knowledgeable gardener, unlike myself, knows that if you don't prune, the plant starts to grow inward it starts to wither, it starts to stop bearing fruit. And if you keep those leaves, those branches on that don't bear fruit, they actually sap the tree of its nutrients and the plant and the branches that were bearing fruit stop bearing fruit and the plant dies. And Jesus uses this as a metaphor for our lives. See, sometimes in our lives, in our relationships, we have those dead branches, don't we? We have that stuff, those attitudes, those thought patterns, those habits, those preconceived ideas, even unhealthy relationships. Those things that hold us back, that stop us from producing more fruit in our life, that need to be pruned from our life in order that we can go into the next season that God has for us. Rich Wilkerson Jr. has to be American for that name, doesn't he? He says, if you're not pruned in life, you won't produce in life. If you're not pruned in life, you won't produce in life. And that principle is applicable to all kinds of relationships. You know, whether you're married, 
whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether it's complicated. And it doesn't just apply to romantic relationships. This principle applies to all relationships right across the board in our life. So, are you up for some pruning? Ask the person next to you, are you up for some pruning? And if they say no, hit them. (laughs) I want to look at four things this morning. Four things that perhaps need pruning from our life in order that we can, so that we can experience healthy relationships. The first one is fairy tales. Fairy tales. Going back to the analogy that we used in, um, that Jesus used in John 15 of our lives being a garden. A gardener always gardens with a positive vision in mind. Aaron was pruning those roses with a vision of what could be in the next season. Couldn't see it then, but he was doing the work now for the next season. And so too, when it comes to our relationships, we need to have a positive vision. We need to have a healthy image of what our relationships could and should be. What do you want your relationships to look like? The problem is, though, we might never have had a positive vision or a healthy picture of what a relationship should look like. And there can be many reasons for that. Maybe you grow up in a home where mum and dad um, were divorced when you were young. Or maybe mum and dad lived together but they were kind of miserable. Or perhaps, sadly for some, you grew up in an abusive or a violent relationship. Or one where when people were under pressure they self-medicated and we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? But here's the point. Whatever you watched is what you learned. See, nearly everything about our relationships, whether we know it or not, is learned behaviour. And so what happens then is we grow up and we get a little bit more self-aware and and we know what we don't want. You know, I don't want that kind of relationship or I don't want that kind of dysfunction. But then we still have the problem of how do I create something I've never seen before? How do I make something that I've never witnessed? And so what happens is someone sometimes kind of unknowingly really by default we start searching for that positive image. And sometimes the only other thing that we watched as children is fairy tales or Disney movies. I know it sounds crazy but often subconsciously we've internalised those fairy tale notions and we think that our relationship should look like fairy tales. And what does fairy tales tell us? That everyone lives happily ever after. Now, I love fairy tales, but really, I'm sorry to be a spoiler this morning, but they're not real. I don't know if you knew that, but fairy tales sell us the lie that happiness, happily ever after, applies to every relationship. Sleeping Beauty, Aladdin, The Little Mermaid, they all live happily ever after, don't they? On a side note, this has got nothing to do with anything, but on a side note, the actual, the original texts of these fairy tales were not really like the Disney versions. Take Little Mermaid, for instance. You know, you've got Princess Ariel and her sassy crab friend, Sebastian. I watch way too much Disney. And uh, they, they defeat the evil sea witch and then Ariel goes off to marry the prince of her dreams. In the original Hans Christian Andersen text... This is what happens. The little mermaid, in order to enter onto land, she has to drink this potion. But if she drinks the potion, it will mean that she um, feels like she's walking on knives for the rest of her life. 
But in this selfless act of love, she drinks the potion. She enters onto land. Because she's walking on knives. Um, Just in case she didn't get that bit. She finds her prince. And the buff head has gone off with another woman. (laughs) And so she goes all the way back to the sea. Dives into the sea and dissolves into sea foam. Beautiful, hey? So no wonder Disney has changed the endings. They didn't want kids to go home traumatised. And, and I'm not saying that happily ever after movies are bad because I'm a sucker for a happily ever after ending. But they're not real. And they can't be applied to our real life relationships because fairy tales tell us that happiness is kind of this destination that's only found at the finish line. But in Jesus, we can have healthy relationships and we can find happiness right at the start. And no matter what circumstance, no matter what season we are in, we can choose and find joy every step of the way. Another thing fairy tales tales sell us is that love happens at first sight. I saw her or I saw him across the room and, and it was love. You just have to watch this. We've got a little YouTube clip. That's going to come up now. And um, it's just got some classic Disney movies in it. Here we go. Uh, There's no one at the sound desk, so. (laughs) I wish you luck. With all my heart. Daddy? Daddy, what's all the hullabaloo about? Things got complicated. Where's Potato Head? We haven't seen him. Mi florecilla del desierto. Yo nunca había visto la verdadera belleza hasta esta noche. Did you fix Buzz? Sort of. Ah, dear. Now, they're they're good movies, aren't they? That might be your story, but you know that. That's risky stuff. Don't you think it's better to have a conversation first? (laughs) Might help. Find out what they value, you know, what their heart beats for, what their future holds. Make sure you're aligned and going in the same direction. 
You see, fairy tales tell us that happiness, um, that love can happen at first sight. God tells us to kind of go a little bit deeper. Fairy tales tell us that what's on the exterior is what matters. What does God say? It's a heart that matters. In Matthew 7 verse 16, it reads this. It says, don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. You know, if you're single here the more, this morning, would you rather have tall, dark and handsome or God-fearing, loyal and kind? Yeah, both. Both would be nice. Well, I've got both. Uh, we can replace those fairy tale notions with a healthy vision by seeing what God says about relationships because God's word is like a mirror. It can reflect the things that are worthwhile, that are lasting. God's word is a perfect tool for pruning those things from our lives that are broken, that are bringing us harm in our relationships. Hebrews 4 verse 12 to 13 says this. From the message translation, it says, His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defence, laying us open to listen and obey. What is the purpose of a surgeon's scalpel? It's to actually bring healing, not harm to our bodies, isn't it? And it might be a little bit of short-term pain for a whole lot of long-term gain. And so too with God's word, if we choose to listen and obey, it can enable us to have healthy, fruitful relationships and develop that healthy, positive image for our relationships. So break up with fairy tales before fairy tales break you down. The second thing we want to break up with is we want to break up with feelings. You might think, well, that's a bit weird. But so often one of the biggest obstacles to growing healthy relationships is a wrong idea of what love really is. Still today, we're reducing the word love down to feelings. Our culture tells us over and over again, obey your feelings, do whatever feels right. If you don't feel it anymore, then leave. How many of us know that our feelings can change over and over again, can't they? Just ask Aaron, mine can change three times in one minute on the right day. So if love is based on feelings and it's just like a, a trend, it can go in and out of fashion. Listen to how Paul defines love. In 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, ouch, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses hope, faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You know, what's amazing about this definition is that every other word after the word love is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's an action. But more often than not... My feelings fight against my decisions. For example, when I decide to focus on my relationship with Jesus and grow deeper in that relationship and get up early in the morning perhaps, my feelings often disagree. When I decide to be more generous with my time or my treasure um, to others, my feelings sometimes disagree. 
when I decide to, to work on my relationship with Aaron and be a better wife, my feelings always disagree. <laughs> I, have to be, I have to choose to be kind even when I don't really feel like being kind today. I have to decide to forgive even when I feel like I've been hurt. I have to choose to apologise even when I feel like I'm in the right, which is most of the time. <laughs> but, you know, I can't do that on my own. I can't do that with sheer willpower. But that just confirms what Jesus says in John chapter 15, the same chapter we've been reading. Verse 3 from the um, Passion Translation, it says, I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from you. Fruitfulness will stream from you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. What does living in union with Jesus look like? It's about relationship. It's not just about that single decision you made to believe in him. It's about coming to Jesus again and again, talking to him about your cares and your joys, the ups and the downs. It's involving him in our every day. It's putting yourself in a position that you can receive his extravagant love and then remain in that love. The good news is that when we become a follower of Jesus, we not only get Jesus, but we get Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit gives us that power, gives us that ability to be able to bear that kind of fruit in our life. Paul writes again in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit the Holy Spirit produces is love, joy and peace. It is being patient, kind and good. Sounds like 1 Corinthians, doesn't it? It is being faithful and gentle and having control of oneself. There is no law against that kind of thing. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their sinful desires to his cross. They don't want these things anymore. Having the Holy Spirit in your life means you can take control of your feelings. You can decide to act in that right way. Because Holy Spirit gives us the power to be able to forgive 70 times 7. Holy Spirit gives us the ability to be able to love unconditionally to be able to even love our enemies despite how we feel. So break up with your feelings before your feelings break your relationships down. Number three has to start with an F. Break up with fate. When it comes to relationships, sometimes we get a little bit kind of superstitious, almost kind of mysterious. We, we can pick up daisies and, and go like this. He loves me. He loves me not. Do you want me to continue? He loves me. He loves me not. 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 He loves me. More half a love me not. But anyway, <laughs> crazy stuff. Break up with fate. See, fate sells us this idea that we are not in control, that kind of things just happen. Hey, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. Things kind of just fall in our lap or they, they, people come to our doorstep and there's the one. Yes, God is in control. Yes, he is sovereign and all-powerful and all-knowing God. He orders the steps of those who follow him. But he's also given us this beautiful, very powerful gift of free will, 
of choice. And therefore, we are to take responsibility to do the work, to, to make the commitment, to enter into the covenant responsibilities. Matthew 7 verse 13 says in the message translation, the way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. You know, one of the common myths, we've touched on this before, that we can buy into is that love is uncontrollable. It's just something that just happens to us. In fact, the language we use kind of implies that uncontrollability of love because we say things like, I just fell in love. So love's kind of this, this ditch and I'm, falling, I'm walking along one day and I go, bam, I just fell in love. I couldn't help it, honestly. It just, it just happened. I just fell in love. We don't just fall in love, do we, really? It doesn't, it doesn't just happen. Love represents a commitment, a covenant, a responsibility. But when we live by fate, we kind of abdicate our responsibility and say, well, it just happened. It's not my fault. Don't blame me. I'm not taking responsibility for that. It was fate. We don't live by fate as Jesus followers. We live by faith. And what faith says is, I trust that God's word is true. I trust God is who he says he is. God can do what God says he will do. And then I can step out in faith, in obedience, knowing and trusting God in the process. Big difference. So break up with fate before fate breaks your relationships down. And the final one, failure. It's a biggie. See, the reality is a lot of the pain in our lives comes from relationship pain. You know, some of my deepest hurts, probably some of my biggest regrets are attached to people. Most of you here this morning would have experienced someone in your life failing you. If you haven't yet, well, that's amazing. You're very blessed. You know, maybe it was a dad or a a mum that wasn't present Maybe it was a friend that, that betrayed your trust. Maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend that promised the world and then disappeared. Maybe a child that rejected you. Maybe a spouse that said, till death us do part and, and then they were gone. And before you know it, many a time what happens is these hurts or this brokenness in our relationships holds us back from experiencing healthy, growing relationships in the future. Maybe you've made decisions that have failed people. And it's hard to think about, isn't it? Because there's kind of a whole lot of shame attached to that. And you can't even believe that someone would love you again because you can't even love yourself. And sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. I want to encourage you this morning that just because you've made mistakes doesn't mean that you are a mistake. Just because you've made failures, and we all have, doesn't make you a failure. Know this this morning, that God's forgiveness towards you is radical and complete. See, on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's part of the great mystery and the victory of the cross. God's grace is greater than any of our failures. He can redeem us from our worst mistakes. He's the God of the second and the third and the fourth chances. 
All we have to do is turn to him and ask. And that's what the psalmist did in Psalm 32 verse 5. It reads this way. Then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved, my sin disappeared. Isn't that beautiful? You don't have to live allowing what someone did to you or the failures that you have made to hold you back anymore. Break up with failure before failure breaks you down. And can I say it again? If you're not pruned in life, you won't produce in life. So what is it in your life that you need to break up with so that those things don't break you down? What is it in your life that you need the Holy Spirit to ask you to prune from your life so that you can produce more fruit? You see, experiencing healthy relationships is big. As we've been talking about all year, this is big. This idea is really big. You know why? Because this is what Jesus said in John chapter 13. I can't say it any better than him, so I might as well use his words. It says this, So I give you now a new commandment, love each other just as much as I have loved you. And this is why. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know you're my true followers. See, our lives, our relationships are supposed to be a reflection of Jesus in the world. When we have healthy, I'm saying healthy, not perfect, real, vulnerable, growing relationships, people are drawn to us. They come and they say, well, well, how come you were able to forgive in that circumstance? There's no way I would have been able to forgive them. You know, how come you were able to respond with unconditional love? I couldn't have done that. How come you're reaching out into your community and trying to invest in relationships there when you might not get anything back? And then we have the opportunity to share the hope and the love that we've found in Jesus. You know, in the same way as one bad relationship can affect all other future relationships, it has the potential to, one whole real, perfect relationship has the potential to redeem all other relationships. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know why? Because God is not a myth. God is not a fairy tale. He proved his love for each one of you here this morning by sending his only son, Jesus, And Jesus came right into the middle of our brokenness, right into the middle of our failures, right into the middle of our mess and our messy relationships. And he laid down his life for us. And on that cross, he took our shame, he took our guilt, he took our pain, he took our brokenness, he took our sin. And he died and then he rose again and defeated the power of sin and death so that you and I could enter into relationship with Jesus. And he's inviting each one of us into that relationship with him this morning. And maybe you're here and you've never taken that first step and said, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. We're going to give you an opportunity in a moment. There might be others of you that you've kind of haven't been living in union with the vine, as Jesus put it. You've kind of like drifted away a little bit or got a little bit distracted in life. And you know Jesus is calling you back into relationship with him him this morning. 
And for others of you, you might have been walking with Jesus for a long time and you and Jesus are doing good. But Jesus always desires us to move into the next season, to bear more fruit so that His name will be glorified and more people will come to know Him. So let's seek to enter in. And if there's something this morning that's kind of stopping you from going into that next season, that's just holding you back, something that Jesus might be asking you to, to pr be pruned from your life. It could be something I've mentioned this morning. It could be something completely different. I just want to encourage you to take that step this morning. Be open. Have a heart that's open saying, Holy Spirit, what is it? What is it that I can do to take that next step to go deeper into relationship with you and with others?